for that prayer, Mike. I appreciate it very much. I just, before I begin this morning, I want to reiterate what uh, Pastor Dan shared earlier in the announcement time. He went through it very thoroughly, but just a reminder that ABWE missionary Hannah Strayer is going to be with us Wednesday evening. It starts at 6 o'clock, not 6.30 like we normally do on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. And we are asking if you would, if you're coming, if you are able to come and sign up out at the information center. And that's simply because we're going to have refreshments and we're just trying to get a good feel for how many people are going to be here Wednesday night. So if you do that, we'll be very grateful for it. Well, on this Mother's Day morning, if you would, I'd like you to turn to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, and we'll be looking, or excuse me, Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 6 this morning. Taking a break from our ongoing study in the book of Titus, we'll return to that next week. On Mother's Day, I always like to just clarify from the beginning, what I'm about to share with you will be especially geared toward our mothers, our grandmothers here this morning. But I also know that there are many ladies here who are not mothers, and this is for you too. I know we have many single ladies here this morning. We have some married women um, who don't have children yet. And um, it seems like every single year on some ministry website, I read of some woman, married woman, who's struggling with infertility and how hard Mother's Day can be for them. I've even heard of women in those situations staying away from church on Mother's Day. So if that happens to describe you here this morning, I want you to know that we are very sensitive to your situation in this message. This message is just as much for you as it is for our mothers. And of course, men, everything I'm going to say certainly has application to all of us as well. Well, in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, Solomon, the author of the Proverbs, writes this. He says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining, and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Well, our first point this morning is the great paradox. Biblical wisdom is both a gift from God and something we pursue with great passion and effort. And it's all here in this passage. In verse 6 it says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And yet we are exhorted to seek after it with all of our hearts. So it's both at the same time. Pastor and author Tim Keller writes this. He says, the paradox itself is wise. If it were all up to us, we would labor under crushing anxiety and burnout. 
But if God only worked apart from us, we would lose all sense of initiative. The paradox gives us enough incentive and enough assurance to pursue the knowledge of God all of our life or all our life long. And he's right. And we see this. I have actually shared this with you before in other sermons that there are what we call biblical tensions or biblical paradoxes. And we shouldn't try to humanly try to reconcile them or figure them all out, excuse me, but just accept in the infinite wisdom of God that they are both true at the same time, even if they seem somewhat contradictory to us. For example, prayer. I believe with all my heart that God knows everything from the beginning to the end. God guides everything according to the sovereign counsel of His will for all of the universe. And yet, and yet, we are commanded to pray. We are told that our prayers make a difference. We see account after account in the Bible of prayer changing things. How can both be true? They are. They just are. We see this with righteousness. We are told that at the moment of salvation, we are clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. Righteousness is a gift from God, and yet we are exhorted throughout the Scriptures, especially the New Testament, to pursue righteousness, to live lives, to live out lives of righteousness. We just saw this last week in the book of Titus. We see this with salvation. Salvation is a gift from God. There is nothing you can do to earn it or deserve it. It is a free gift from God. And yet in Philippians 2, we are told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And when we are told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we're then told, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So it is both at the very same time. And we have that. We have wisdom as a gift from God, and yet something that I hope to share with you, especially our mothers, that we pursue with all of our passion, with all of the emotions of our beings. Now, as we look at the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1 tells us the greatness of wisdom, how important wisdom is, and it warns us at the end of Proverbs chapter 1 not to forsake wisdom. It is foolishness to forsake wisdom. Then in chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2 is a challenge. It is a challenge to seek wisdom with all your heart. Proverbs 2, 1 through 4, is a Holy Spirit-infused challenge to every believer to seek God and His wisdom with great emotion. And that's what I want you to see this morning. That as we seek the living God, as we pursue Him, we do it with every part of our being, intellectually, emotionally, every part of who we are. In verse 1, Solomon writes, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you. In the NIV, it says, If you accept my words and store up my commandments within you. And it means we are to receive the Word of God. We are to get the Word of God in us in any and every way that we possibly can. We are to read the Word. We are to study the Word. 
We are to memorize the Word. We are to listen to the Word preached. We are to meditate on the Word of God. If you receive my words, then treasure them. Treasure them within you. We are to get the Word of God in us and then treasure it within us. In verse 2, he says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. The thought here is when you read the Word of God, when you hear the Word of God shared, when you hear the Word of God preached, let your ears perk up. Make your ears attentive to the wisdom of the Word of God. Be alert. Be completely focused. Be completely focused on what you are hearing, on what you are reading, and incline your heart to understanding. Passionately. Take it in with great vigor, with great strength. I want to know. I want to hear, oh, the Word of God is being preached. The Word of God is being taught. I am reading, reminding myself, I am reading the Word of God. Let me be so attentive. Let my ears be attentive. Let my heart be inclined to understanding everything. It would be like this. It's like you're sitting in a college classroom and the professor says, okay, what I'm about to tell you is going to be on the final exam. Everything I'm about to tell you is going to be on the final exam. I guarantee you. I'll assure you that every student in that class perks up. Whether they've dozed off or whatever they've done, when they hear it's going to be on the final exam, they are ready to not only hear it, they're going to write it down. They're going to take great note of it. That's the thought in verse 2. Making your ears attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Verse 3. Yes, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. I've always been fascinated by that verse. We are literally to call out to God, to cry out to God for insight and for understanding. And I know that there is a part of this that can be understood figuratively, but I think there's also a sense in which this can be understood literally. God, help me to understand. As we read, as we prepare our hearts for the word of God, oh God, we raise our voice, we cry out. One paraphrase has, beg and plead with God to understand. That is the thought here. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, oh Lord, You can say this in the privacy of your home. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your word. As I read through your word, I pray I'd be so attentive. Help me to grasp it. By the illuminating work of your Holy Spirit within me, help me to understand your word. And then in verse 4, if you seek it like silver, And search for it as for hidden treasures. We are to approach the word of God as if we are seeking 
silver and gold, searching for it as for hidden treasures. Let's say there is someone who says to you, I will give you $2 million if you will do these five things. They are five doable things that you can do. And if you do all five of them, I will give you $2 million. I guarantee you, you will waste no time whatsoever. You will diligently set about to do all of those five things. You will probably set aside everything else in your life in order to do those five things, in order to get that $2 million. And that's the thought here. I want it so badly, so badly, that I'm willing to do anything to get it. And we see this in life. We see athletes, musicians, who want something so badly, they will practice eight to ten hours every day at their craft, at their event, in order to be the best that they possibly can. They will pursue it with this great passion. We think of the great gold rush in the United States back in 1849, where all kinds of men left their homes and they went to the faraway land at that time of California. And they lived in tents, endured hardship, worked with pickaxes, hard labor, looking, looking for a few nuggets of gold. I was reading in one of the commentaries this week of a man, the man who was the author of the commentary, who said that back in the 1980s he was in college and he had the privilege of meeting President Ronald Reagan Excuse me, and was able to get his autograph. And he said he just cherished that autograph from Ronald Reagan. And he said after college, after he graduated from college, He moved a number of times and went to look for that autograph and he couldn't find it. He said, I couldn't find it. And he said, I went through every single box. He said, I turned my home upside down. Still couldn't find it. And this is what he said. He said, I spent dozens of hours looking for that autograph and I still couldn't find it. Fifteen years later, fifteen years later, his dad called him and said, I found Ronald Reagan's autograph. It's in our home, in the family safe. It was pressed between some documents. I was reviewing some of those documents, and I found it. And the man said that when his dad called, he said he felt just like the woman in Luke chapter 15 who swept her home looking for the one coin. And when she found it, Remember, in her joy, she went and called all her neighbors and said, rejoice with me because I found my coin. And he said, that's what I felt like. Folks, that's what this means. You want it so badly, you would do anything. I think of Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, in his joy, he went and sold all. All he had and bought that field. He went and sold everything so he could buy that field because of the treasure in that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. 
sold everything he had because he wanted the pearl of great price. Oh, that's what we're talking about this morning, that you would do anything. Let me ask you, when you approach the word of God, what is your attitude like? What is my attitude like? Do you approach the word of God personally in a kind of sleepy, groggy way? If you're in a small group Bible study, are you prepared when you come or have you hardly looked at it when you get there? And let's be real this morning. You know what happens in the average church service every Sunday? Not everybody, but some of you, you know what you're doing? You're daydreaming. Some of you are probably daydreaming right now. You are. You're physically here, but your mind is somewhere else. You're in some faraway land, or you're thinking about dinner this afternoon, or all of the things you've got to do. And we have to guard against those things because our flesh so tends toward these things. It's like we have to keep coming back and remind ourselves again and again, this is the word of God. This is the treasure of God's word. And that leads us to our second point. The powerful then, T-H-E-N, the powerful then. When a Christian passionately obeys the, the three ifs in verses one through four, then, then you will have access to the wisdom of the living God. You, you will have access to the wisdom of the living God. So there are three ifs, excuse me, three ifs, followed by then. Verses 1 and 2. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, verse 3, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then... Then, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This is available to all of you. I don't care what your age is, what your background is, what your education level is, what your social economic status is. It's open to you. It's open to every believer in every part of the world, no matter where they live. Then you you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will know what it means to fear him, to revere him, to worship him as the one true God in all of his beauty and wonder and all of his splendor. And you will find the knowledge of God. And when it says you will find the knowledge of God, it doesn't mean you will just know about him. It means you will know him. You will know him. You will not only fear him, you will know him. You will walk with him. You will fellowship with him. You will commune with him. Yes, you, a mortal man or woman, you will have fellowship with the living God. Then, if you do those three ifs, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. No higher privilege for any human being to understand the fear of the Lord and to know the living God. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. 
from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. You know where wisdom comes from? It comes from the Lord. That's, like we, that's why we like to refer to the Bible as the word of God, the word of the Lord. Because it is. Folks, that's where you find wisdom. You want to be wise in this life? Wisdom is found in God himself and in his word. It comes from his mouth. For the Lord gives wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Okay, wisdom is not found in the great philosophers. Wisdom is not found in the self-help books of our day. And please don't misunderstand me, because many of you may love to travel. But you could travel to Europe, you could travel to Asia, you could travel to South America. That's not where wisdom is found. You can go on a journey all around the world to as many countries as you possibly can and visit them all, and that's not where wisdom comes from. Wisdom comes from God, and it comes from his word. Mothers, mothers, there is no greater goal or priority in your life than seeking the living God with all your might. Let me say that again. There is no greater goal or priority in your life, nothing more important than seeking the living God with all your your might. You want to be a good wife? You want to be a good mom? You want to be a good grandmother? Then seek the Lord with all your might. With all of your might. Here's a question that I find that I ask myself, and I think it's just a good question for all of us to ask ourselves. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we do the things we do? Why do we read the Bible? Why do we study the Bible? Why do we go to small group Bible studies? And I know for ladies, we have quite a few of them going on in and related to our church good studies. We have some of them at church, some of them in homes. We have a precepts in-depth Bible study that happens each year, a couple of times each year. Lots of good Bible studies, and that is good. But why? Why do we study the Bible like that? Why do I memorize scripture? I think scripture memorization is incredibly important. I try to practice it as a spiritual discipline in my life. We pray, but why do we pray? Why do we come to church? Why do we listen to sermons? Do we do it just because it's the right thing to do? Are you here this morning just because it's the right thing to do? Do we do it just for the sake of discipline? Nothing wrong with discipline, but is that the reason we do it? And one thing we need to be very careful of of is, do I do those things because I hope to get something from God? If I do those things, then God's going to cause things to go well for my family. We'll have a good income. God kind of owes that to me, doesn't he? I mean, I do these things. God kind of owes me and here's, here's a, you know, I'm a parent and a grandparent. 
you know, if we do these things, God kind of owes me obedient children. You know, if I do these things, then he better give me obedient children. Because that's just how it works. Mothers, this is for all of us, but especially you moms this morning. Everything you do, everything you do should be done to know God and to love him with all of your being. Everything you do should be done to know God and to love him with all of your being. That's why you read the Bible. That's why you go to small group Bible studies. That's why you memorize scripture. That's why you pray. That's why you listen to sermons. That's why you come to church. Because you want to know the living God. And you want to love him with all of your being. You see, God himself, the living God, that's the goal. The living God should be your goal. He's the end game. He's the prize. He's the whole point. God himself. For you see, we learn from all the pages of scripture that one day with God is better than a thousand elsewhere. One word from God is better than silver or gold. One real encounter with the living God will change your life like nothing else on earth can do. To encounter the living God of heaven and earth will change your life in a way that nothing else on this earth can do. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? That's it. That's it. That's exactly what Proverbs 2, 1 through 6 is about. My soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And here's the question that all of you moms should be asking. Here's the question that all of us should be asking every day. When? When can I go and meet with God? When can I come into his presence? Psalm 84, verse 2. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That's it. That is a parallel passage to Proverbs 2, 1 through 6. My soul yearns and faints for the courts of the Lord, for the presence of God. My heart and my flesh do what? They cry out for the living God. So moms, read the Bible. Study the Bible. Go to small group Bible studies. Memorize scripture. Pray. Come to church. Listen to sermons. But remember that everything you do should be done to know God and to love him with all of your being. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you 
for all of the ladies of our church. And we thank you on this special day for our mothers. Oh, Lord, this is what we pray. This is what we pray for our moms this morning. Open their eyes. Open their eyes to see the priceless value of seeking you with all of their might. May the wisdom of God fill their hearts and their minds and their entire lives. In Jesus' name, amen.